Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Uh, sure. Yeah. So um, quick snapshot of me. I grew up in Sydney, Australia. My mum and dad were small business owners. And so very hardworking people. And uh, they taught me a lot of great, you know, sort of like lessons from a very young age. But as a kid, I had a lot of energy. And so I, um, I got put into um, sport and the sport that I did was gymnastics, which was very, very intense, a lot of training. Um, By the age of nine, I think it was 36 hours a week, I was in the gym on top of going to school. So I learned about discipline, I learned about hard work, I learned about delayed gratification. But the most important thing that I learned was the value of having a coach. That obviously makes total sense, you know, as an athlete. And so I kept this going in other areas of my life. When I finished my sporting career at the age of 18, 19 and finished school as well, I then started to go out there and look for coaches. And so uh, anyone that was uh, was running an event or workshop or seminar or written a book about success or goals and how to win at life, uh, I would yeah, go along to these kind of workshops. So I did courses with people like Brian Tracy. Tom Hopkins, Zig Ziglar, Brandon Bays. Yeah, this whole bunch of different people that I learned from. And that's what sort of inspired me to start my my first business. And uh, I suppose once you start, you know, your business, you really become a leader by default. <laughs> uh, and so um, that's, I'm guessing, what we're going to be you know, talking about, a bit about today and, and how I've been able to grow and develop some of my skills around uh, leadership and, and, of course, growing several businesses now. Yeah, tremendous. And I, and I love seeing your energy and I love seeing it on stage and when you're with people as well. It's it's really great and it's fantastic to see. So you just mentioned about leadership. So how did you get into leadership? Yes. Yeah, so um, I got into leadership, I suppose, you know, in school, I was, you know, quite, uh, you know, ambitious and was assertive and just proactive and, you know, was time efficient. And I just, I suppose that those natural sort of like qualities that you get as, as being an, an athlete, just kind of like, you know, we rise to the top. And so I was sports captain. I was, um, I was school vice captain as well. So I think that I started to show some leadership potential in school. But when I finished school and started my, my own a business a few months after, after finishing school, that's when I suppose, you know, I, I became a, a leader. I'm obviously a small leader at the beginning because it all starts with leading yourself. So, yeah. and I was leading myself for a while, but then I had um, a couple of uh, partners that I was growing that business with as well. So I had to kind of like, you know, lead them and set uh, what is our you know game plan and our strategy and, and how are we going to execute, you know, on this and sort of who's doing what and making sure we're all in touch and communicating with each other. And then from there, you know, we started hiring staff to do certain things, um, con- you know, contractors and then part-time employees, then full-time employees as well. And then we also had uh, business partners in different places, uh, countries around the world as well. So then it was dealing with 
our kind of goals and their goals. And sometimes we had cultural issues that we need to sort of uh, deal with as well. So I suppose, you know, from there, my leadership skills started to, to grow. And now I've run probably seven or eight different companies over the last 20 years and have had a team of up to 40 employees at a certain period of time. So, um, yeah, that provides you with uh, some definitely some challenges and it certainly tests you. You've got the the aspects of you know running the business from sales and marketing and and um, technology and efficiency and websites and social media. And then you have got this thing called you know leadership that you have got to go. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm a leader because sometimes you can get so kind of like focused on on the doing part of your business. It's like you know, don't talk to me because I'm really focused. But then it's like oh, <laughs> I've got these people now that are looking to me. And and sometimes you forget that you you know you're on show every single day. And it's like okay, yes, I, you know I need to stop. I need to listen. I need to talk. I need to communicate. I need to connect with people because um, sometimes we. We can just be so focused that we, you know, forget about the uh, the people side of the, of the business, which is really important. Yeah, and, and for a lot of leaders, I think they fall into leadership by mistake because the thing is that they were the subject matter expert, really good at what they're doing, and then they're looking for a person to do it. But then they forget about that leadership piece because they just love what they do and they want to go and do that on a daily basis. But it's really important as well. And I've got a question for you because you actually mentioned before about the importance of having a coach. So as a leader, why is it important to have a coach? Yeah, there's, look, there's a lot of reasons why you'd want to have a coach. You know, fundamentally, there's two ways to do anything in life. One is through trial and error based on your own kind of experience. And if you want to do that, you can. The problem is, you know, uh, making mistakes is expensive and, you know, experience takes a lot of time. And sometimes it can take you 5, 10 or 20 years in order to get to where you want to go because you've probably, you know, gone a whole lot of swings and roundabouts. But there is a direct path from someone that's been there that's done that, that's made all those mistakes. And rather than doing things through trial and error, they're giving you a formula, a recipe, a program, you know, to follow. And if you follow those steps, then the results are predictable. And so uh, that's, you know, one of the biggest reasons. But then, of course, there's the awareness piece in terms of that oftentimes, you know, you can't solve your current problems with the same mind that created them. Basically, to simplify that, the instructions of how to get out out of the box are on the outside and you're inside. And so you need someone else to basically see what you can't see to um, help you to to get out of where you are. Uh, And then, of course, there's the accountability. Sometimes we know what we need to do, but we don't actually follow through on that. And so having someone that says, hey, you said you were going to do this and you haven't, you know, why not? And what are you going to do differently? And, you know, do you want to keep repeating the same pattern of falling short or do you want to basically get this thing done? So there's a whole bunch of reasons, you know, why having a coach can really make a massive difference to your performance in in every area of your life. Dale, you and I, we've met leaders around the world over the years. And the question I've got to ask you is, because I'm sure you may have several, but I'm just going to ask you to select one. Who's your favorite leader? Now, this person can be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? A lot of uh, people that come to mind, the person that I just associate with just every time I think about leadership, you know, I I think of John Maxwell, who I know you're a big fan of uh, as as well. For me, he just, uh, you know, just is the epitome of leadership and a leadership expert and someone that's dedicated, you know, basically yeah 50 years of his life to uh to the pursuit of uh becoming a great leader and then more importantly training up other people to to become great leaders in their own right so have huge respect for him and the work that he does and continues to uh, to do i was just on a class with him a couple of uh, weeks ago that he did a virtual summit which is incredible so love you know his his whole mission i also look at other leaders as well two of the other 
places where you find really amazing people is one from in for churches or any sort of religious leaders, but also in terms of uh, another area would be in uh, network marketing. And the reason why is because both of these places, they're what's called like a volunteer army. No one has to, you know, go to church and or no one has to do something if you're in you know network marketing or direct sales everything's through through choice and everything is not like in 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 the corporate world in the normal kind of business world you have to do this because i'm paying you and if you're not you're fired and that's kind of basically how things work so people basically have to do what you say and if not any choices for them to leave but rather than getting people to do things because they have to really what we should all inspire to do is to become a leader that uh, has their their people do things because they want to. They want to do things. They want to be engaged. They want to be on this journey with you. They want to perform at their best. You know, you only have to look at the stats to see, you know, how many people, I think it's like something like, you know, 65% of the workforce is disengaged, you know, in what they are doing. And so what we really want is we want to to have more people that are engaged, you know, in what we are doing in our lives. And so there's lots of great leaders, you know, in those realms that I've seen, you know, over the years. Um, there's a, a church that I belong to uh, with a guy called Pastor Phil Pringle, who I've, you know, seen do some amazing things as well. Then in the network marketing world, there's a lady called Glenda Leonard, who's been a leader and a mentor for, for me, who I know we both know as well. But then in terms of, you know, big business, there's obviously heaps of amazing CEOs and leaders out there, all sorts of different companies. And then, of course, in the sort of small to medium-sized uh, business, there's uh, there's also amazing leaders as well, sometimes the unsung heroes that might be running an amazing you know, cafe or amazing music school or, or just really running a great gym and they're leading and inspiring and motivating people every day. So I think that there are great leaders everywhere. You know, we should all just try and look at the people that inspire us and going, mm, what's one thing that they, they're doing that I can incorporate into the way that I lead people as well? Yeah, well, you know, I've always been a bit of a geek, Dennis, and I started out pursuing a career in computer science. But, you know, like many other females at the time, I dropped out of IT because it was far too technical and not really based in the real world. And I didn't really relate to the guys in hoodies in the lab. And um, so got a degree in marketing and quantitative analysis instead. But I couldn't really help myself, though. And my whole career has ended up being in technology. And you tend to migrate to where you really feel passionate. I came to New Zealand and started with a company called the Gallagher Group, who are basically an international success story in electric fencing. And um, I remember my first day, I walked into the foyer and I uh, was looking at the pictures on the wall, as you do, and there's a picture of a horse. And Bill Gallagher, who was the owner of the company, came up behind me, which, which was um, interesting talking to this guy who's saying, yeah, that's Joe the horse. Um, he's the reason we're a company today. He kept sitting on the family car, and we had to come up with a way to get him to stay off of it. And he had that glint in his eye, and I guess I got a taste of what it meant to think creatively about solving problems. And um, yeah, and that really sort of set me off on a you know very creative, um, thinking, innovative career. And um, you know, more recently at Fonterra, you know, we were developing solutions for the dairy sector. And I think what's really important is we tend to think of technology of, as just solving, you know, small problems and getting on computer and, and, and digitizing things. But 
really it's about how do we compete on a global scale and um, New Zealand's dairy farmers aren't really just competing against themselves anymore. They're competing against, you know, the floating farms of Rotterdam, which are totally digitized. And, you know, we really can't compete with a paper notebook anymore. And, you know, so how do we actually lift the capability of, um, of our whole dairy sector? So at the moment, I'm also working on a project, you know, looking to help small businesses um, lift their capability in the digital space for the same reason. Like, how do we actually really create that capability um, in our businesses? Yeah, and I'll, I am Canadian, but I've spent most of my career in New Zealand. And, uh, you know, I do get a real buzz of, you know, seeing us create solutions that you really wouldn't expect to come out of a small island in the South Pacific, and um, you know, kind of like the All Blacks, if Kiwis believe they're the best, um, you know, they forget the odds and just go out and do it. Yeah, and and, it, and I think that's a fantastic thing that you know, as you say, a lot of Kiwis do do that and go out onto that global stage and punch above their weight, which is fantastic. I was wondering when you said Canada, because you said before that you, when you came to New Zealand or to Auckland, I was thinking, oh, where you come from? So how long ago did you move from Canada to New Zealand? Many years ago, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> just a so, while ago yeah. Uh, yeah so I arrived in the early 90s um and uh-huh. yeah a really really interesting time in New Zealand um you know I came as a backpacker and met a Kiwi and I'm still here today yeah well that's fantastic excellent hey so um what I got for you is uh, some questions that I'm going to ask you as I ask my guests and the question I've got for you is how did you get into leadership Always been a bit of a go-getter, I guess, and I started um, probably early on um, in my career when I was promoted. You know, probably within the first year of being at Gallagher's, and it was an interesting situation because I, all of my peers were now people who were reporting to me, and. I guess I had to re-earn their respect, you know, so people who, why should they treat me as a leader um, or as, you know, as a, I was their manager, but, you know, you don't want to just be a manager. You still really want to make an impact. I had to, I guess, earn their trust and learn to bring something different to the table. And I think that was, a, you know, that's where I, I guess, really started enjoying that whole leadership conversation. I had to bring something different. But, you know, at the same time, I couldn't be a jerk and put myself ahead of where they were. Some of them knew a lot more than I did. And, um, you know, I had to recognize that and also figure out how we would work together to get the best out of things. You know, I had my role to play and they had theirs. And probably taught me really early on the importance of staying connected at a grassroots level and also not being afraid of surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you. That's always sort of been something I've challenged myself with. And I've worked with some of the, you know, smartest techies around that, you know, have taught me things and whether that's from a technical or leadership perspective. And I think um, it's something we should challenge ourselves as leaders. As leadership is changing, you know, how do we actually tap into some of the smartest minds in the room? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because some people actually feel threatened by smarter minds. And I think what you just said there is a successful leader will be very smart in actually making sure that they engage those people and allow them to to fly and do what they do really well and bring their A game and, and enable that. Absolutely. And, you know, and we do learn from it, right? So it's, I think it's a good thing. And I, I like what you're saying about staying connected at the grassroots level, which is really good. 
So Evelyn, you mentioned something before about competing on a global stage. So what's one or two things that you think that people should do as a leader to lead on a global stage? I think the key thing is not being afraid to really put your ideas out there. I think we all kind of feel like we don't have something to say and, you know, whether that's imposter syndrome or just thinking others are smarter than us. The more creative ideas that are out there, the more opportunity there is for them to come to life. And I think, you know, as leaders, it's almost an obligation or a responsibility to step up and put our ideas out there. Yeah, excellent. So, team, if, don't be afraid. You know, be bold. Be, have the courage to actually put your ideas out there and stand up and do that. Mm-hmm. See where it goes. Who knows where it's going to go. So, Evelyn, I'm sure you've got many, but I'm going to actually ask you, who is your favorite leader? Now, this person can be alive or from history. So who's your one favorite leader and why? Well, in the tech space, there are so many innovative leaders. So I think this is a very tough question, Dennis. But if I'm going to pick one, it would have to be Melinda Gates. Mm. Her and Bill's foundation have done in eradicating polio and the approach they took using data. I mean, they completely modeled the world and looked at where they needed to be. Um, and it was simply extraordinary. But I think Melinda Gates, she's also you know, a real role model for females in technology, which was you know, really important for me. And um, I had the good fortune of hearing her speak live once. And I really related to a story she told about you know, working in a male-dominated IT team you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, and how she tried to be like the males in the room in her approach to leadership. And it just wasn't her. And so she decided to be herself and take an empathetic, um, you know, more inclusive style to leadership. And, you know, she just really absolutely took off from there and everyone wanted to be part of her team. And I think, um, you know, it's a really bold move to, to tap into your own personal leadership style and what works for you. And she's also incredibly committed to increasing diversity in technology. You know, we're coming to an age in artificial intelligence where, you know, we are setting the stage for how technology is going to work for us for time to come, that's for sure. And we run at a risk of it being really heavily biased if it's only going to be coded by, you know, a slither of the population. So she's really, really focused on how do we think about different ways of attracting people into technology? How do we get them to learn differently? And how do we actually find them? And yeah, so I just think she's um, a real genuine person and, you know, a real role model. And she, she was definitely a role model for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 